I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. And now, giving you access to the locker rooms and the minds of the independent scene, here are the curtain jerkers of pro wrestling podcasting, Mike Crockett. Actually, I prefer to be called Maestro. And the kingpin, Brian Malonis. He's the whiz, and nobody beats him. This is the wrestling podcast about nothing on the New Age Insiders Wrestling Network. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 89, presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio with somebody had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's the wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully, they said, we think we have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. Joining me, as always, is the veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars, the irresistible force, the immovable object, especially after all that holiday food, the kickpin, Brian Malonis. What do you mean all that holiday food? I had a show last night, Mike. Oh, you did? Well, Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you, buddy. Thanks so much. What'd you do for New Year's Eve? <laughs> I was in Mexico. Oh, you're already back? <laughs> I took the overnight flight. I'm back. I'm the old red eye? I sure did. Here I am. <laughs> I came back special to record with you, and then I'm going to head back tonight. Oh, wow. Look at that. How about that? You like how we do that? <laughs> Magic. Not unlike the magical powers my daughter asked for for Christmas and didn't receive. <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Uh, so last week was the Christmas episode, Kingpin, where we talked with Warbeard Hansen, Ring of Water Zone, the one half of War Machine. What was your favorite part of that interview with Hansen? The whole thing, Mike. It's too, you know, it's, yeah, it's like your children, right? You, you have a hard time picking your favorite. I guess so. I guess so, huh? Amazing, amazing. Make sure you check out last week's episode with Hanson. Uh, like one year anniversary of the last time we talked to Todd. We get together with him every Christmas to chit chat about his career. So make sure you check that episode out. And of course, you can check it out through the WPAN.com, which is our website. You should be checking out each and every week. You can find all of our episodes there. You can also find our bios which are quite fun and photographs of us in action from many years ago to just recently. So check out the WPAN.com for all that kind of stuff today on the wrestling podcast about nothing on the new age insiders wrestling network. You've got your promo about nothing coming up and a whole lot more, but first Kingpin, we spoke recently with a good friend, a longtime friend, and he is now the director of us operations for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And, of course, Wrestle Kingdom is coming up this Thursday, January 4th, on njpwworld.com. And, actually, you can see it this Saturday if you have Axis TV. They're going to show uh, a good portion of the Wrestle Kingdom event on free TV, on cable, this Saturday night. So make sure you check that out. But we spoke to our friend George Carroll just recently so let's take you now to our interview with george discussing all things new japan pro wrestling all right we're joined by a guy who has worked in a number of different backstage capacities from the new england independence to ring of honor and now as the director of u.s operations for new japan pro wrestling 
And of course, on January 4th, just a few days away, it is New Japan's biggest show of the year, Wrestle Kingdom, headlined by Kazuchika Okada versus Tetsuya Naito, plus the match that got the entire wrestling world buzzing, Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho, and we'll talk about all that. But welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing and old pal. He's the creator of Big Brian Rogers. It's George Carroll Jr. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? Good. Big hey. Brian Rogers. What a contribution to the wrestling business. Hey, that was a great angle where didn't we break <laughs> Billy uh, Billy Kryptonite's arm at an autograph signing? I'm I pretty sure we did. I don't remember. I don't remember that. Maybe we did. I remember him faking an injury after Do you a match the one time. Story to Big Brian Rogers. Yeah, the the the. the, the <laughs> My mother had sexual relations with Ray Trailer on a on a WWE loop <laughs> through the New Boston, England area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the NEWA. We'll talk about that yeah. probably in just a second. But the first I remember hearing of you is probably. Can we clarify? Like I'm not the bastard child of Ray Trailer. Oh, you okay? Oh, Can just... we just clarify that right now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you feel it needs to be said, I think so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but the first I remember hearing of you, I don't remember hearing you as. George Carroll. I remember hearing the name Dallas Austin. Ugh. Yep. <laughs> and, and I heard that from our friend Eric Arsenault, oh, Mako, who uh, we shout out at the end of every show who passed uh, mm-hmm. in February of 2017. Where's Dallas Austin come from? I started training as a wrestler initially uh, 22 years ago, actually. Perry Sadden at Champs Arena. I started wrestling mid-96 i was awful uh, <laughs> gladly admit it i can't even watch my stuff back now but the name dallas austin came from a producer of rap albums for uh like another bad creation boys to men i remember mike bivens saying the name dallas austin during one of the songs and i was like i like that and i just you know what's your wrestling name gonna be and i remember killer kowalski when he was trying to get me to go to his school was like He's sitting down in that chair and he goes, I'm 145 pounds now. Like, nowhere was possible. He goes, You know, gonna call you Crippler Carol. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, this is Walter Kowalski. Like, wow, yeah, cool. And I was like, How am I gonna cripple him? Like, run him over with a car or something? Like, 145 <laughs> pounds. I can't cripple anybody. But yeah, that's where it came from. Walter was never known for his great name giving <laughs> what do you mean Terror rising snooky fink come on <laughs> violet flame <laughs> i told a story once about how there was a wrestler there named tim and he needed to come up with a name and walter says i'll be right back he goes outside onto there's a little terrace yeah, outside yeah, yeah. of the, the back, school the, yeah. The grates, yeah, yeah so he walked out there for a minute comes back in he says i've got your name and he goes what is he tim Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he came up with it. He just walked outside. <laughs> Snooky Fink's the greatest name. I mean, I don't even know where that comes from. Like, uh, Snooky Fink. I don't know. <laughs> but you trained to wrestle, and when did you decide that that wasn't for you? Uh, so it it's went, not for you, baby. Uh, for I, I look back now, and knowing what I know and how tough I am on people who actually have me watch their stuff, um, I should have given it up like right away because... When I was 145 pounds, I was, okay, I can't do much other than fly. So I would work big guys, and like Ray Roy used to love kicking them. Can I swear on this? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you're good. Ray Roy, who was the Mounty brother. He's the fake <laughs> Pierre the Mounty. Yeah. yeah, stinks. He, uh, <laughs> he used to love kicking the shit out of me because I was so small. Wait, and I did was, he actually say he was? 
Demonte? Yeah, he totally sold himself as De- Demonte. He's a tow truck driver. In like he, like he lied and just to tell promoters, I, yes, I'm that the he WWF Mountie. Pierre the Mountie. Pierre. And it, it was somewhat believable because the outfit right. that he wore well, looked, was the same exact looked thing. genuine. Yeah, same like exact a, thing. Yeah. So Ray used to love kicking the shit out of me, so he would get me booked everywhere as his tackling dummy. He did do one good thing. I got he got me backstage at WWE and like SmackDown. We were going to be part of some angle where uh, the acolytes beat us up, which. I'm sure Brad Shard and those guys would have caved my big head in. But, um, <laughs> and then I gained weight and I got older and I sort of grew into my body. I became Tiger Khan and Primal Conflict, which, were you ever booked no. for a Primal Conflict? Did you ever get to go to any? No. Was it, was it was, was that the beginning of Todd Sinclair's yeah, illustrious career? Yeah, 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 you had a hand we'll, in getting we'll Todd get Sinclair. To, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. But, um, but yeah, uh, Primal Conflict, I put a mask on and I started working guys better than me. So I got to work like Vertebraker and, you know, guys like Jose Perez and Kevin Charisma. So I sort of started to catch on, but it was too late. And by 2002, I had blown out my back and my job and I just couldn't wrestle anymore. And I don't think I ever adjusted to putting on the weight. I changed my style a little bit, but I was just, I look back now and go, oh, I would have done 10 things differently. You know, but 2002, NEWA started coming around and it's like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was always, from a kid, playing with my wrestling figures and my G.I. Joe guys, I would book stuff and I could walk away from it and come back and still know where I was. And I just fell into the creative end of that. And that's where we both encountered you for the first time, I think. <laughs> N.E.W.A. Rocco D'Alessandro, that's the name, right? Uh, yep. He was the owner, and he hired you as his booker, right? Right. They were more known as Rhode Island Promotion. and Is that the one with Wolverine yeah. and the other guy? What's the other guy's PW, name? PW, Danger Boy Alfredo. Yes. Danger Boy Alfredo. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> with their PWI 500 uh, yes. jackets. Like They were so proud that they were in the PWI you 500. You used to get a jacket for being in the PWI? No, 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 no. They had their own jackets made. Oh, I was <laughs> like, I've been, I've been robbed all these years. <laughs> <laughs> and they had it stitched on their left shoulders. And they were just the pit worse. Like, if I was a bad worker, they made me look like Ric Flair. One had a mullet, and the other one was bald. And they he just liked to dance to Too Legit to Quit. Like <laughs> He was a DJ Who in wouldn't? Rhode Island. So uh, then Rhode Island got cracked down. I guess the commission was like, hey, no more wrestling here. And I, it's still pretty barren down there. But um, we found the South Quincy Social Club, a guy... I was like, yeah, if you guys want to run here, they give us a deal on the hall. Remember that big mural? I'm, I'm, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we started running there, and Rocco was like funding the shows, I guess. Uh, I didn't really deal with the money. Was it the venue putting, that was like right across the street from like the Burger King where the shooting happened? Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. Mur- legit murder. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, the guy in the car got shot. Yeah, yeah but my ste- Steph, my wife, and, and my mm. little brother Jimmy, who at the time was, well, it was Jimmy, probably like 11 or 12 at the time. Really? I don't went, even went remember to, Jimmy. Went to, that, went to that Burger King, then came over to the show to watch, and like a little later, somebody got murdered at Yeah, it. I remember. Like, that was a big <laughs> thing. Somebody got murdered there. But yeah, during I mean, a show like oh, it was before the show because my heart was, was broken looking out the window <laughs> like a little kid like watching Santa pull away and forgetting my presence I was like oh my god like nobody's gonna come here now because because we did good houses there but not that night uh, that murder really put a damper on things but yeah <laughs> it, it did <laughs> it did but yeah and then we started to run there until I don't know, the wheels fell off, I guess. So how did you come to get hired as a booker? I mean, I would say that, I hope you don't take this in a bad way, but you're like, you're a hustler. You 
make something happen. Hey, listen, my dad told me from a young age, because my dad drove truck forever, and uh, he ended up getting laid off from his job, and he became a maintenance guy at a health facility. And I went, Dad, how did you get that job? You're, you're not a maintenance guy. You're a truck driver. And he sits me down, and my dad wasn't like this, but this is the one thing he always told me. He said, uh, listen, if you don't know what you're doing, bullshit your way through it until you figure it out. And that's literally, it's, I just never gave up looking for an opportunity. So being a creative guy, and I was always a creative guy, even when I was working, I was always helping somebody else try to get bookings or looking for somebody to hire me as a creative guy. I just, the way they booked it in Rhode Island, it was, hey, let's just go out and work in front of these 40 people with no real desire to get 60 people next time or 100 people the next time. And I, I, even still to this day, I work in that fashion. Like, what can I do better now than I did last time? And he just, once we set that building up, it pretty much fell on me and my ex-brother-in-law to get everything, you know, in line. And my ex-brother-in-law, Kevin, was more like he would deal the money and stuff like that. But the creative majority fell on me. And initially with NEWA, it was me, Mucko, Pants, Kevin. There was a few of us that would sit in a room I would come up with everything and then Mako and everybody, we would have a meeting right before the show and, all right, what do you like? What do you don't like? What can we fix? You know, let's get rid of this guy. That guy stinks. I mean, that's, how did I get into I just fell into it, you know? And so the relationship, you said Mako and Eric would help you out at NEWA. They also, did they move on to Chaotic or no, did they do so both? They were already, they were doing both. So, so uh, I've known Mako... God, since the mid '80s, we were uh, we would go to wrestling shows at the Boston, the old Boston Garden, and we knew where the guys came out, and we would get autographs and pictures. And I have that iconic picture of Adam Bomb walking out, and I'm double fisting in front of him because he's like, "Take the picture." He didn't want to stop, and there's Muck in the background with his afro and his <laughs> glorious Adam Bomb posture, and uh, that's how we just. Every month, we just knew that we would see each other, and then you know we got to ECW, uh, and they started running locally, and we were dicks there because <laughs> we heckled everybody. I mean, you've seen, I'm sure you've been to shows. We've all been to shows together at some point where like me, Muck, and Pants, especially at a WWA show, would be ruthless. Like, <laughs> I don't understand how Tim McNeeny ever worked with fat pants because I've never seen somebody <laughs> heckle somebody so ruthlessly as I saw fat pants tell Tim McNeeny that his gear was filthy and he needed to watch it. <laughs> so we met fat pants. Uh, he started hanging around with Dave and Eric, Dave's Eric's buddy, hanging around at ECW. And then we just became a trio and they went to Chaotic because they were North Shore guys and I was a South Shore guy or Boston guy. And it was hard for me to always be around them. So they went to Chaotic and me and Muck had always talked about creative stuff and even Pants sometimes too. Like they were just awesome. They, they, they don't get enough credit for changing the business in this area. So that's kind of where the connection between Chaotic and NEWA formed, right? Because they were doing yeah, both. Yeah, exactly. So it it started, so I got Fat Pants on a whim. It was, I forget the exact setup of the tag match. It was in Clinton, Mass. at some gym. It was me and 
maybe Vertebreaker against John Fear and Jason Chaos. <laughs> and I remember, like, we could do anything we wanted at those shows. Like, it was just weird. And I was like, we need a referee because they only had, like, one referee and he wasn't good. And I remember Muck going, hey, you think Pants should ref? And I was like, oh, yeah, let me go get a t-shirt for him. And I was like, Pants, you want to do it? And I remember him getting in the ring with those shorts. <laughs> and I don't know if his face was purple because the shirt was so tight <laughs> or if he was nervous. But I literally remember the whole match just echoing in my head, hey, purple face ref. And it was just muck hammering pants. Just set him up perfectly. Get in the ring. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead that's muck, a, get in the ring. That's and just exactly him. what it was. Hey, purple, about right. hey, purple face ref. Like literally, I remember we were on top of some like skateboarding thing and I, I just remember muck heckling pants mercilessly. <laughs> the match was probably garbage anyway, but but yeah. And then so pants started going to the chaotic school, and then uh, NEWA was coming back up here. So I want to say it's like two thousand two, two thousand three ish. And I remember them putting me in touch with Jamie, and I still I just read the original email to Jamie the other day where I sent out and said, hey, this is what we want to do, and. You know, I want to use your students and I'll, you know, work around chaotic storylines, which there was a big break in a chaotic storyline, which I still feel bad for later down the line when we were a little bit more successful. But uh, yeah, Jamie was cool with it. You know, just send students here because we were going to run consistently like two to three times a month. We were running in Quincy and Attleboro and then other places occasionally at Lowell. Yeah, it just it flowed right. And then that's how guys like you and Brian and like that whole crew of chaotic guys like young guys that were just awesome pete malloy and minnie and andre and chase eventually those they were all awesome i mean you guys realistically and i don't care who gets offended by this chaotic guys were the cream of the crop in this area at that point even the young guys coming out brian that was kind of your early i mean you were around how long before that, George booked you. Uh, the only real promotion that ever booked me before george tried to book me was was ali muhammad's and i only worked like you said real promotion. <laughs> <laughs> Remember they used to run well, across and, uh, the street I, I, behind I think, the Burger yeah, King. I yeah, I think yeah. I think NWA New England might have booked me like once before then too. But yeah, I, I double shot <laughs> like Some across the street did. from each other. Yep. I was Moose Monroe at, at the uh, <laughs> the UCW venue, and I was I was Big Brian Rogers at the NEW venue. Was there a backstory behind Moose Monroe like there was with? We're in Moose Brian Lodges. Rogers? Oh, okay. Yeah, and Moose Monroe was actually the name Come of like a, like like a, a late seventies. No, no, I like know WF that. Jobber. Like, I know that. But yeah. did you have a moose head piece? And no, everything? no. Oh, but when yeah. they came out, they, they wanted me to yell moose. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, that's copyright infringement now. <laughs> I was the original baby. Yeah, you were. <laughs> so let me get this straight. There's these two small groups that probably drew less than hundred people each. No, we drew way more than that. Oh, excuse me. So it was like two hundred people. But they were running across the street from each other. Yeah. Uh, Literally, yeah, pr- pretty much like two hundred yards, maybe. Why? It was probably a hundred yards from, I, and they're I two different towns. I, I literally walked. I walked across. The yeah, street two different to towns. Other. Why? Why? Why did they run the I same night? I don't ask why. But th- these were the days. But these were the days of like you'd go and like you could work ten three mile, times. A ten, yeah, yeah. A ten mile radius. There's like six shows. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> just silliness. You never worked for Ali Muhammad and no. those guys. Oh, yes. I was so loyal to NEWA. They, 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 that night, that night they did have Vir- they did have Virgil. 
that night too. <laughs> there was standing room only crowd of Dan Maloney. Oh people. no, no, that was later, right? <laughs> MWF started running that. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about. I mean, we talked about the damage done at the Burger King. Let's talk about the damage done to the South Quincy Social Club. You <laughs> <laughs> talked about the the mural on the wall. Yeah. So it, uh, I don't know where this mural came. The guy who ran it, Chuck, I think his name was, loved it. And a funny story about him, he didn't like the national anthem being played at the beginning of the uh, shows. What a weird hang uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, he, he asked for some other like patriotic country song to be played. I forget what it was. Oh, and I'm proud to be an American. He liked that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Instead of the national anthem, that was his request. So we kept him happy. So uh, they had this big mural, and I never knew behind the mural were holes where the windows were and it was very like there would maybe this mural was maybe 15 feet tall by 20 feet eddie edwards and dc dillinger walked over from the moose lodge and they worked the made men tony gangsta oh, and um oh, what's his name there and i remember shitty grabbed um what's his name by the head and threw him into it and when he threw him into it his head literally went through it. <laughs> and I remember him telling me it was so weird. Like I thought I was just going to hit this thing and bounce back. But when my head went through it, I felt like I was in another room. And he sort of was because the way the windows, it was like a four foot windowsill out to the actual window. And uh, I remember being so angry because the only request they ever had was, don't mess up the chandelier, which of course Minnie getting, <laughs> Minnie getting backdropped over the top rope, uh, kicked it, and uh, <laughs> you know, all the fake crystals everywhere. went all right, over the fake place. Crystals. <laughs> we got that taken care of, but we couldn't fix the murals. So what we did was we found a vinyl flag that was maybe two feet by two feet and we taped it over the hole <laughs> so there was a big like waterfall landscape mural in there <laughs> about six feet up there was a usa flag just taped over the hole well, probably, probably still there to this day <laughs> i bet you it is very inconspicuous <laughs> I bet you that building hasn't changed it hasn't it's still there all. it's the still look there of it from that still there. I mean, we're talking now that's like 15 years ago-ish? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, D.C. Dillinger, Eddie Edwards, and you always had a close relationship with them. D.C. Dillinger mm -hmm. is no longer with us. Mm -hmm. um, and Yeah, 2000, uh, that, that whole year, last year was very rough for all of us. I mean, D.C. and then, like, that was August, and then I lost Muck, who I've, Muck was the person I've known the longest in my life out of everybody. And D.C., me and him, you know, known each other 10 years and like brothers like closer than brothers so yeah did you follow them to NECW or did, no. how did that work so at the end of NEWA when things started to fall off me and my ex-brother-in-law we started to try and run MCW on our own and then as the rules started to change in Rhode Island Matt and Kyle Storm had a school an actually pretty cool school an actual cool venue down there that they were running but I don't remember how things went wrong for them, but they needed to get out of Rhode Island. And I was like, well, hey, we got this building here. We have a great relationship with this guy. Why don't we move it up here? And PWF ran up here for a few months. And then I remember they ran one big show at the Quincy Armory where they brought in Christopher Daniels and they drew pretty good. 
So we thought, man, like that's the move. We're going to go from this little building that we've been running consistently and drawing more and more each time. And they had the funds because they actually had a real backer that didn't wear a wig and a top hat. (laughs) 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 That Roy, who is this great guy and another guy that will never get credit for helping guys because he was always in the background. We started to run the, we wanted to push for the Quincy Armory and- Around this time, this is when Bob Evans was the booker for NECW, and I don't know if, Brian, if either of you did uh, NECW at that point, because I remember there was a weird mix, like WFA, which is Steve Bradley, and Chaotic Guys weren't really supposed to mix, because there was heat over the Mini and Andre stuff, and like there was just a line in the sand on where guys would go, or if you were over with Steve, or if you weren't over with Steve. Something dirty happened between Bob Evans and Sheldon Goldberg, and Sheldon was left out on his own. And in my head, I went, oh, man, like, Sheldon's great at getting guys' coverage and the newspaper, and he's good at the publicity side of it. And we're just an indie company that's running good numbers at the Quincy Armory, but we could really use that boost of getting the coverage. And I was like, I respected Sheldon, and I reached out to him. I was like, hey, would you be willing to talk with Matt and Kyle? And Matt and Kyle were willing to talk to Sheldon, and... And the decision was made that these guys are going to bed together and PWF would become NECW. And at that point, and this may offend people, but I I don't really care right now, the NECW guys were a mix of Steve Bradley and Chaotic Guys. And again, being me always looking ahead and recognizing talent, I saw that like, holy crap, those guys are the best. Like, And we have these PWF guys who could get better working with these guys, but I need to... You, you have to foster relationships with guys that are going to help you grow and make your promotion better. And DC and uh, and Shitty, Eddie Edwards, I remember the first day after the merger, they asked uh, Sheldon asked him to come over and shoot promos with them. And I remember the first promo we shot was over near where Good Times was, but it was all abandoned and run down. And we just clicked. And not a lot of people got Dave. Like I know some people didn't like Dave. But they confused DC with Dave, and like I got to know Dave, so we just all they wanted the same things I did. Like we weren't gonna fit into that mold of, you know, he's a good-looking television, you know, writer, so he's not gonna get that job. And Dave was tall, and you know, he had a big mouth and a personality that rubbed people the wrong way. And Eric was just a fatso who uh, who liked to eat and could do flips. <laughs> but we all wanted the same thing, and we could all just you know hang out and. The relationship just grew from there. DC was something like everybody perceived that he hated me and I hated him, and we didn't know each always, other. Always, and, and, dude, and, and I can then tell when we you. actually got yeah. to know each other, we hit it off. Oh, like I can tell you because we're like the same fucking guy. Yeah, with one hundred percent, without a doubt. Like you are too, like suit, like somebody texted me on my way here and was like, "Hey, make sure you give Malone a shit about the Steelers." And I was like, "Listen, if anybody can needle Malonis, it's me. I've known him a long time." But like Dave was the same way. The second like you needled Dave about the Bills, Dave would flip out. And the second you start needling Malonis if he doesn't really know you about the Steelers, you just see that his brow lower and he gets angry. Like that doesn't scare me anymore because I'm so used to it. But they are the same person. Like they just have an opinion and like people are afraid of that confidence, like that belief in yourself. And 
that's all it was. Like you both were the same guy, and I used to love it. Like, oh, Malonis isn't a dick. Like, no, it's like it was cool to me. All right, good. Like, <laughs> just one less thing I have to worry about. <laughs> so, what would you say your role was? Like in NECW? Yeah, well, I was NECW, the booker. PWF. I was the booker. Okay, uh, uh, and I would put everything together and run it by Matt Kyle, and then Matt Kyle and Sheldon. And I was the booker there till 2009-ish. Listen, I think, I think I never worked for NECW until like way later on. Like they were, yeah. almost, they were almost like on the outs there. Yeah, you like, worked after I like left ta- with yeah. Chaotic. And then, yeah, you yeah. had just, yeah, you, I think you had just left like NECW when I went there. And the only, the only reason I got brought in was because Max like wanted me to come in and work with him. Yeah. So. Well, Max was tired. I think he worked like two straight years with Rick Fuller. It's, <laughs> it's a heavy load. So what was the split from NECW? What was that all about? I don't I think it was just timing. I, I mean, realistically, and, and again, this might offend other bookers and stuff, but you have a shelf life. Like if you study this business and like I, sometimes I do feel like Rain Man because me and Steve Carino are always talking about stuff and you do have a create, like I haven't done creative, focused on just creative stuff, God, in years now. So I can, like, my wife's like, how do you, like, oh, what are you doing right now? Oh, I'm texting this idea to somebody. She's like, make sure you get paid for it. Yeah, right. It's wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it was just, I was burning out. I had just lost my dad. So I was just in a mental, like, a bad place. Like, and I didn't think of my losing my dad. I mean, it was unexpected, but I never expected it to affect me the way it did. I just... I was tired because uh, in NECW, there was a lot of promises. This is the year. I mean, we were close to a television deal with Comcast before they actually ended up getting one. When I went back, we had meetings. And I look back now and like when I go to chaotic shows or go to any show, I'm in the locker room and I leave. And I always have that feeling like I can never do this again because I feel like if you're not challenging yourself, like you're not trying to get on television, like chaotic should to me they've been running how long 15 years or so yeah, it's like why aren't you why aren't why isn't cold fury selling out the low memorial auditorium you know and this is the stuff i echo in chase's head and you know jamie's head and i'll now i'll be in fury's ear about it well i don't know if that should be known but whatever that's no, um, not yeah. okay all right on the on, on, yeah on a recent show he uh okay fury was announced as the new owner okay so yeah i i just i was in a i needed a different challenge i had been doing the same thing and plus there Again, this is going to, you know, open up a can of worms maybe and people may get offended, but it was very tough for me as Booker there because Kyle and Matt had one way of how they wanted to do stuff and Sheldon had one way of doing stuff and I was the guy putting everything together. I would have to sit on both sides of the fence and listen to each guy, you know, each team bury the other. It got to the point where it was just chaos. I mean, it was crazy and we were doing pretty good business I think DC may have been the only guy who was like ever drawn any money for them. They got into red one year, but, and I want to say it was 2007, which that was like, people refer to it as WrestleMania three here because we ended with the DC Fury cage stuff and Sean Gorman and Nikki rocks and, um, 
like a tuxedo match. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Oh, you were there. I remember you and uh, I think you and Adult were there for that. I think I was. Yeah, you guys used to show up every once in a while. What is, what is the deal here? We, we've had revelations of Fat Pants going to WFA when he was working in the inner workings of Chaotic. You're going in ECW. Was I the only one loyal? Was I the only motherfucker loyal? Basically. <laughs> Probably. But yeah. Before it got me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it was it was very tough for me. And, it, and like just, I think everything caught up to me at once. And then like literally, right when that happened Jamie was like hey do you want to meet and I was like chaotic's one place I've never been and like it's one place I want to go so that was yeah and we talked about before we turned the mics on that you weren't there for long I wasn't I wasn't because (laughs) Jamie will laugh about this and I'm sure I'll listen I remember the first meeting I went there I was confused because I thought knew Crockett would be there but Malonis was in the room and I was like oh that's weird I didn't know that Malonis I just thought he was a worker so again it's eye opening I don't even remember this yeah it's at the CTC you know, it went well, and I don't th- remember you saying much, and then just ended with Jamie saying, okay, let's, you know, we'll see you when you start. Was Todd in the room, too? No. No? It was just me, you, and Jamie. Really? I yeah. remember this. You're just the office stooge, I guess. Yeah. Apparently. You and Jamie's boy. Like, that was the big... You and Jamie were blackballing people for years. Oh, Jesus <laughs> That's Christ. what I heard from um, Bob Evans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everybody. Like, hey, blackballing I, I everybody. Had to, I had How to can call I get into chaotic? Bob. I had to call Matt Taven and, like, do you guys think I'm keeping you out? Yeah, actually, we do. <laughs> I... I, I if I had that much power in chaotic, I remember, don't you think I would have got my brother in? By that I point? remember you asking me when you called me one time and were like, "Hey, is this real? Like, do these guys really think that I'm keeping them out?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know that really is the." Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was really just like, word. it was like a, it was like a, it was like an epiphany. Like I, I called you, yep. and I, I got like the whole story from you, and then I had to I called Bob. And then yeah, I worked it out with Bob. And then I called Taven, and I worked to work it out with Taven. I'm just like, Jesus! I'm glad people think I have that much power. So yeah, then I started with Chaotic, and uh, I knew it was going to be trouble from the get go because <laughs> whenever your boss, which Jamie was at the time, says to you, "Listen," and I remember this in the PAV, he was leaning against one of the pool tables. He goes, "Listen, there's going to be people that I don't like. I don't know why I don't like them. I just don't like them, and that's it." And I just went, okay. <laughs> like, what do you say? Like, what do you say? And then, uh, you know, we did some cool stuff there. Um, well, your one big thing that I think contributed to Chaotic for years down the road was you brought in Sean Gorman, right? You you no, got no, him involved. No, no. Uh, no? Uh, well, I did it. I wasn't there. I don't believe I was there when Gorman was there. Gorman was still I remember NCW. specifically you yeah. being there when he was cutting his first promo, yeah. Oh, the, uh, okay, then your memory yeah. is better than mine on that. Uh, but I do remember there being heat and Gorman asking me what he should do because NECW was starting a radio show at the same time that Chaotic started picking up bookings with him. And was it you that he was with first? You and what's that? Track? Yeah, it was with me, Scott Reed, and, and that other guy, Sledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember Gorman calling me and saying, hey, I'm supposed to do a radio show with Sheldon, but Chaotic has me booked. What do I do? And I was like, you know, you have to figure out what's best for you and what's going to make you happy. And he ended up going with Chaotic and NECW just shit-canned him right there. So I shouldn't get any credit for Gorman. If I opened the door for him, great. But Gorman's like, he's the best of this generation on television, off television. You could put him on television tomorrow and like national television, Monday nights, Thursday nights, whatever night you want to. And Gorman's going to be a star because he's, 
he's just that fantastic. And like, you don't even have to coach him. You just give him a line or, or an idea, and boom, he's off to the races. I hated it at the time when he was put with me. I hated it. Why? Because <laughs> I felt like I could talk for myself. Well, I look back at it now. I was like, oh, he's, I, I love Gorman. I think he's fantastic. But at the time, in the moment, I was like, what? I don't need a manager. Yeah, but you were young then, too. I don't need, yeah, I don't right, need right. a damn manager. I can talk for myself. Yeah, but, the, <laughs> but if you look back, would you have done it differently now? Yeah, I would have yeah. embraced it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You embra- and that's what DC <laughs> did. Because you got to remember, Dave, you and Dave being alpha males, that was a big thing with him at first too and and because i was there when we put him with dave and shitty and i'm sorry i keep calling eddie edward shitty but that's just his nickname um (laughs) don't ask me why but i remember their first promos together and it was like just mind-blowing and then to see i get why you had issues with that like being coming from a coaching position like uh, i can see like where your mind frame was at then and then yeah, it feels now. like it feels like it, it felt like a demotion kind of right, thing. Like, right. what do you mean? What do you, I, I can talk for myself. Why do I have a manager? And yeah, I look back at it now, and I would have I would have embraced it more. Right. And knowing what I know now, looking back then, but at the time it was that adrenaline he, that you know right. that testosterone. Now he hates wrestling. Like he just doesn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> I've even gone to him and said, "Hey, I could probably get you with a national promotion right now." And he's like, no, "I'm writing a book, and uh, you know, I just." I'm not feeling it right now. I don't care. So he's he's definitely a weirdo. But yeah, (laughs) uh, with Chaotic, you know, if I get credit for Gorman, great, but I don't really deserve it. You know, just recognizing whoever was the booker, whether it was you or others, Pants or Jamie or whoever. Kayfabe booker. (laughs) That's what I just said. He's the uh, the, uh, the gif of Homer Simpson, like standing in front of the bushes and fading backwards. That's what I said to him. I was like, I thought you were the booker at Chaotic when I walked in and Malonis is there, and I was like, uh, like I felt like Crockett was there because every time I would pitch something, like Crockett was always on the email, but I don't think he ever responded to anything. He was, he was. So there, there like, we've had a number of me and Crockett had a number of risks, but when I kind of started to like actually, people always thought for years I was like running the show there, but when I actually like took over and people? stuff, okay. yeah, then I really started blackballing people. No, but uh, when I actually took over, I think one of the arguments we had was like, hey, I don't care if you want to contribute, but you have to like own it. You can't just Lie, lie in the background and I, I just wouldn't allow that <laughs> like right. I'm like fuck you I'm not I'm not taking bullets for stuff that that you're doing and that's uh, when I stopped contributing that's exactly <laughs> when he stopped contributing <laughs> <laughs> but, but you can understand right you don't want to oh, take yeah. bullets for other people right. like, no 100% when you're in that position like people don't understand like yeah. there's a difference between being a booker and being a guy who puts matches together every few weeks because guys don't really take that serious like chaotic was taken serious by everybody like we used to have to put our schedule even when i was whether it was with newa or with necw i always maintained lines of communication with the Dalton and jamie that way i knew what their schedule was and i had to be the buffer if we needed you know todd for a date and i had to say you know what we can't have todd for that date because chaotic's running and sheldon's like well this is my promotion and matt and kyle were like hey this is my we should be the priority but I, in my head, I just respected that line of this is where you came from and this is where you're loyal to. You know, that was something I always carried with me, but I had to work out myself. I couldn't say to them, well, I have a relationship with Jamie and these guys so we can make it right. No, it's just that's how it was. That whole time frame, like, again, the chaotic guys were always the top of the class. So I would always try and work around whatever we needed to. So the joke was, uh, the joke kind of was that you ran out of places to work in New England. <laughs> Hold on, before we jump out of that, before we jump out of that, 
No, that's not true because there were other places I I haven't worked. But <laughs> there's actually two things. I don't. One of them I don't know if it's ever known. But uh, before we jump out of chaotic, so okay. the reason I think to well, there's a half of the reason I think that I got booted and Jamie. You know, hopefully you get a retirement show with Jamie, um, even though he has his own podcast. But we were at a show and I forget what month it was, but I remember paying attention to the fans in Lowell at the PAV and Chase was really starting to catch on and Alex Arion was the champion. I was sitting in the PAV and it was me, Jamie and adult. And I remember Jamie was just steadfast and he like, I can go back and I have emails. So if Jamie says I'm lying, he's full of shit. Um, <laughs> Cause I don't delete anything. I, I remember telling Jamie Chase Del Monte is the guy. He's the guy, the hot guy. You should put the belt on him now. And Jamie's like, no, it's going to Rick Fuller. It's going to Rick Fuller. And I was like, Jamie, no, it's just a mistake. And he goes, nope. And I remember Jamie, I think got tired of hearing me say it and left a phone call with like, yeah, it's okay. You know what? I felt like Jamie committed to going with Chase. But then when I showed up at the building, it was like, no, we're still going with Rick. Jamie is the classic. Like the more you fight him on something, the harder he digs his heels in, right. even if he's at wrong. At this point. <laughs> so at this point, And then this night we get to the building and Chase and Alex Arion are going at it. And Alex Arion, they, they ref bumped. Chase hits a superplex, and I think he covered Al, and Nikki Rock slides in, and I'll never forget this. She goes, one, two, hits the mat the third time, and she realizes Al was supposed to kick out, or there was some miscommunication there. And even though she hit the mat three times, she looks up at Chase and goes, two? (laughs) (laughs) And when she hit the third time the place erupted like it was that heat where like you can't like you can feel the room shaking like you can physically see it they were that loud for chase winning and i just looked at jamie and i said see chase del monte is your guy and i remember after the show that night chase quit and jamie had to bribe him with going to tv to bring him back (laughs) Uh, and i remember that being the end because for me because uh, I was gone, uh, maybe that was December, because I remember the January show, Chase came back with like overalls on for something. I was like, what are you doing, you dummy? <laughs> like, it just stinks. But um, I went to a big time wrestling show with John Walters just to hang out, and I remember somebody talking to me there. And then I remember adult coming to me saying, hey, were you trying to get the booking job at big time wrestling? And I was like, big time wrestling doesn't even have a booker. They are one of those promotions that just puts matches together. I remember hearing names. this. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think that's ever been talked about. And I was like, <laughs> No, that's not true. He's like, Well, Jamie thinks it's true. And I was like, Well, it's not. And I remember the January show, like the day of adult calls me, and you know, adult avoids confrontation like the plague. <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, I don't think it's good if you show up tonight. Uh, you know, I don't think Jamie uh, wants to see you there. All the while, <laughs> adult was just pouring cold oh, sweat. I bet he was. I bet he was. <laughs> so it was just odd. And then, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm a man with no country now. I didn't um, remember that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I do remember the accusations of... Yeah, it was just dumb. Yeah. Like, what? Because I went to another show, and that's how petty wrestling can be, especially at that time. <laughs> yeah. Because everybody was running in that same circumference. But I never went to Top Rope. I worked there once. I never went to... Somebody else. Was, I never worked a big time. I went to their shows maybe once or twice with John Walters, who I was close with. So how did you start hanging around Ring of Honor? Eddie Edwards is, you know, literally my best friend. Love him to death. He just started challenging me, like, hey, like, because I had worked with Eddie, whether it was helping him prepare ideas for ROH or 
hey, I got a main event uh, against Kenta on a pro wrestling Noah tour. You know, you got any ideas? And I would watch Kenta matches and come up with reversals and different things we could do. And then he would apply what he thought. And then he's like, you know, I would bring up, you know, damn, I got to do something. I got to do something. He's like, hey, so why don't you start coming to Ring of Honor with me? And it was weird because as he started uh, finishing up with Ring of Honor and right before he did the WWE tryout and went to TNA, Bobby Fish got hired on in 2012 as you know part of a tag team with Kyle O'Reilly so I sort of bridged a gap between them so I started traveling with them and I had talked to Delirious through email and he's like yeah man just come to a show and hang out and and I remember it was HonorCon 2014 was when I actually started with them Court Bauer was there Jeff Jones introduced me directly to Hunter uh Delirious and you know they're like hey we love having you around and you know, I started getting paid for writing for the website. Is it just a job with the website first, and you would just contribute yeah, ideas? I How would, would that work? Uh, initially, I got on their radar by contributing ideas, just being, uh, and I still do it today, whether it's pre-taped promos or Malonis has come to me, and what do you think, what do you think? And like uh, so many guys do that. But yeah, it was just ideas. And then, it, you know, they're very budget conscious in Ring of Honor, so it's not like, oh, hey, you know, let's hire George. It's like, no, where do we fit them into the budget, what we have? So, you know, Jeff Jones would, you know, Kevin Kelly, all these guys were like, hey, let's get them something. And, you know, then I would go on the road and they would cover my travel and I would have a hotel room and that was that. How long were you around with Ring of Honor? Uh, From February 2014, officially. Before that, it was, you know, it was in and out whenever they were New York, Philly, Rhode Island. Officially, though, February 2014 till July of 2016. What happened at the end? Uh, I wish I knew. So <laughs> uh, here's what I know. And again, I'm going to be honest, and it doesn't matter if somebody gets offended, but uh, there were points where I was, you know, Delirious would call me and say, oh, I'm stuck for ideas on a pay-per-view. And me and Delirious would like talk and he would give me what he was thinking and I would help him see through his ideas or flesh stuff out. So I was contributing a lot. I mean, I have seen emails to Joe Coff and upper management from the boys. And I even got heat from someone there. I was like, why are you having the boys email the office and I was like I'm not having the boys email anybody that's like that's just dumb don't accuse me of that and these emails were saying hey you need to like hire hire him like not just you know the pittance you're giving him a month to write for the website and he's on the road and all this other stuff and it got to a point where it started to get weird and it was there was a change coming I forget what the uh, maybe Jeff Jones had got let go and Kevin Kelly had taken over doing certain things, including Jeff Jones's roles. And he texted me, hey, pal, can we talk? And it was like my birthday that year. I think that was the day he called me. And he's like, can we talk as always? Yeah, bad. yeah. Can we talk? And I remember there was TV that Friday. Uh, there was TV that Saturday. So, or a camp that Saturday. So it, I had been planning on going down because I had done a couple camps there. And... Kevin's like, you know, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on and, you know, we're going to go through some changes here. Kevin said, you know, your name always comes up with like Greg and Hunter and all these guys, but they don't know what to do with you. And in my head, I'm like, oh, like, what can't I do? 
you know, like, and again, that's not even arrogance. It's more now confidence. Like, what can I do? Like, number, you're not paying me a lot of money. So it's not like I'm hurting your budget. You're getting way more out of me than I'm getting out of you. I'm not complaining. Just give me more, like not even more money. Just give me more responsibility. I just want to prove myself. Because at that point, I knew that I was way more valuable than what they were paying me. And I was way more confident in my abilities. And Kevin's like, yeah, we're going to have to let you go. Stay quiet, which means don't bury us in social media, which I didn't. He's just like, you know, we'll talk again in September. And I was like, oh, okay. Happy birthday to me. (laughs) Pond sand, you're done. I mean, then all of a sudden this New Japan stuff came up. How did that all come about? So I got to know them. And me and Shinsuke are tight uh, even to this day. Because New Japan and Ring of Honor has the working relationship. That's exactly how it started. So HonorCon 2014, it's sort of like fate, I think, if you look back at it. HonorCon 2014 was when they announced the working agreement with New Japan. And anytime the Japanese come over, I was always the guy trying to find something to do because I hate sitting still. Oh, well, Sugabayashi, who's the big boss, and people didn't know that. I didn't even know he was the big boss at that time. He would just be standing against the wall. And I was like, why is this guy standing? You know, they're families. Some of them have family that are here, like Taiga Tori's wife. Taiga Tori lives in Brooklyn, and his wife would come. And they all had family and friends. And I was I was like, why are they standing? Let me get them chairs and stuff like that. And I got to know Gato a little bit. And we would talk behind the curtain looking at stuff. And my name started to come up more and more to them. October of 2016, I was on vacation with my wife and it was her birthday. And I remember getting the call. We flew down on the 20th. I remember getting the text from Rocky saying, Hey, we need to talk. It's really important. And in my head, you've been here, Brian. Yeah. Crockett doesn't care because he got a wife and just left the business. So <laughs> Malonis will understand this. Like you get that, pre- that feeling in your stomach. Like I can't ignore my wife for wrestling. So I'm going to put this off for a little bit. So we were at Disney, and I know Malonis has loved Disney. (laughs) So of course he's going to agree with, hey, forget wrestling, just pay attention to Disney. So I was a wine and food festival, which again, it's just me and her. It was awesome. You'll get there eventually, you know, about 20 (laughs) years. But um, we were going home on Saturday morning, and I looked at my phone again, and and the whole time I was there, I just kept thinking, what could Rocky want from me that he said it's important? Now, typically Rocky and I work together on – you know, those shows and ideas and stuff like that. And uh, we had actually started working together on um, New Japan was doing an Australia, a New Zealand show that year around that time. So I thought it was more about that. So I, my wife fell asleep and I went into Target. So I left her in the car. <laughs> It's in Florida. It's nice. It's no no problem. And you I cracked the window a little bit. I it, wasn't, did. It, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't like it was a Burger King. No, no, no. <laughs> So I got the text. Uh, I looked at the text and I, I text Rocky and thankfully I caught him at the right time. And he's like, hey, this is what New Japan wants to do. And we laid out all this stuff. And, you know, we want you to be the guy to help us do this stuff. And I remember it felt like getting punched in the stomach. Like, I remember walk, pacing around this little uh, man-made, I guess they have like water wells or like ponds for overflow water in Florida. Yeah. I paced this thing a million times talking to him. I was dry mouth and I was, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. And I remember hanging up and he's like, what do you think? And I was like, yeah, like sign me up. And he's like, okay, well, we're going to fly you out to LA on Thursday, the following Thursday. And I was like, okay. Fine, great. I get in the car and I remember being so loud. My wife 
she barely ever sleeps. So she had finally gotten to sleep and she was in that good sleep. I remember making enough noise in the cars so that she would wake up and she went, what's the matter? And I went, New Japan just hired me. And she goes, what? And I just remember sort of getting emotional, like <laughs> trying to spit it back out. And I was like, yeah, New Japan wants me to be their guy. And, you know, that's how it. That, here we are. It, here we are. And you work later. And, that, and that's, that's how you got on the WPAN. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I never would have gone on here for any WA stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, you've been doing that for a year, you said. And, yeah. and you work, like, you don't work in LA, right? No, no. Yeah. Uh, so, the LA office, the, the goal is to get a dojo and an LA office open. For the, I mean, we did the, we had the show in July. Uh, we've had numerous meetings. We haven't had as many meetings, but we're in constant contact. I have direct access to everybody, which is pretty cool and mind blowing at the same time. But yeah, uh, you know, it, whatever they need, like they call and say, um, you know, the build up to that July show was more, let's get the building situated. Let, you know, because you got to think it's New Japan coming over here and, there's going to be interpretation problems. Not necessarily that people can't speak English, but they need to make sure that they understand every detail, top to bottom, because working with the Japanese, the one thing that I appreciate with them is that it's very black and white. Like, there's no gray area. Like, it's either yes or no, and that's it. And I love that because it just makes, you know, things easier for me. Like, if somebody comes to me and says, hey, we want to do this with New Japan... I can pretty much already in my head go, that's not something they're going to be interested in. So I don't even need to bring it to them. But, you know, setting up that July show was every day, even today. Like there's a lot of stuff that people don't know about. You'll never, you know, well, you will eventually know about, but stuff I work on every day now. And Wrestle Kingdom is going to be this Thursday, January 4th uh, at the Tokyo Dome. Do you have any involvement with that? No, no. no? So, and, and that's a big misconception too. Like, um, <laughs> when it first got out that I was working with New Japan, it's like, oh, can you get me into New Japan? Or, and it's like, uh, that's not how it works. Like, it's not like an indie promotion. <laughs> you know, that's like, hey, I worked with, you know, this WWE guy on an indie show, you know, that the office let him work. And you, know, you think you can get me into WWE? It doesn't work that way with these major companies. Like, there's no... Uh, so I work for the U.S. office. I, you know, there are things that I do for the Japanese office. I uh, assist with the website if they need articles, you know, anything that they need. Like I tell them all the time, even if you don't think I can help, just let me know. I'll do it. But yeah, I have nothing to do with Wrestle Kingdom other than I want you to go out and subscribe to New Japan World because... We need that to be as successful as possible. Wait, so you're saying you can't get me booked? I know. That's a, <laughs> I was just let's, say, ra- let's wrap this up, George. Thanks for coming. <laughs> I'm done with this. <laughs> NJPWWorld.com is Correct. the website, right? Correct. And NJPW1972 is the English version website. And we also just started a English version New Japan YouTube channel. Amazing. Yeah, we're all post-match comments because in New Japan, the style is a little bit different here. It's presented more as sport. So there's post-match press conferences with all the talent. And uh, even if it's in Japanese, there's English subtitles. So uh, there's going to be, you know, more and more content we're going to be feeding to that channel, whether it's, you know, vignettes or promo packages or stuff like this. But uh more and more this is going to we're chasing that goal of being a global brand and there are things being worked on that 
are uh, pretty damn cool. It's already working in the United States. Yeah. I mean, New, New Japan's a very cool. Like that, that's how that's how shit starts organically and grows organically. It becomes like cool. Like it's being like a fan in in the wrestling community. Like New Japan is like a cool, hip, like upcoming brand. Like because it obviously in Japan it's been since 1972, but in the United States it's it's very it's very much new, and um, it, it is. It's like this cool hip thing, like with the Bullet Club and the New Japan brand itself. I like think, it's, it's I think amazing. in the U.S. it was always packaged with somebody who didn't have New Japan's interest first. So if you think about New Japan has always been here, they've always had a partnership with somebody, whether it was the WWE in the 80s. WCW. When you you had Inoki coming over and them sending young boys to WWE on house show loops uh, and just jobbing to the worst guys possible. (laughs) And then you had them sending guys over to WCW. You know, they did a great job with Muda in 89, but then they, you know, they sent over guys like Nagata and Nakanishi and your, you know, who's Kurosawa. And a lot of them were stereotypical. And then you started to see as the work rate evolved and became more about the spots and everything, the junior heavyweights really got over in the late nineties, but nobody has ever really had the, New Japan interest first. And I think that's why people are starting to see not that Ring of Honor has put New Japan ahead of itself, but uh, I think if people have gotten enough taste of New Japan through Ring of Honor and through social media and the access to that, to where people are like, wait a minute, they present themselves differently. It's more sport like they treat themselves with respect, they treat their fans with respect. You know what? We do want to see New Japan succeed regardless of what the language they speak. Because wrestling, if you took language out of it, the real art is between the bells. You know what I mean? And if you can get people to uh, attach through the actions and react with emotion, it doesn't matter what language you're speaking. You can get around that, work towards fixing it. And I think that's what New Japan's doing. They really created two brands, pretty much. They have the Japanese brand. And then over here, the Bullet Club, I think a lot of people see is a New Japan brand, which the Young Bucks and Cody and guys like that, they protect it. You know what I mean? So um, when you see that crossover, when you see it here, when you go back to those two shows that we did in July... It's just mind-blowing how the fans themselves treated each other. Like Billy Gunn, I thought, was going to get crucified, and he missed something with Tanahashi. And I thought, oh, man, here it is. And two fans stood up to heckle him like a typical United States indie crowd would. Like a mucko and George type. (laughs) (laughs) Or a a fat pants Tim McNeeny type. (laughs) And those two fans stood up and the rest of the crowds booed those guys so loud and made them sit down that the fans were just amazing. (laughs) So I do see, I mean, when you think about what the Bullet Club is doing, they've sold over 400,000 Bullet Club t-shirts at Hot Topic. Think about that. Even if they were $10 a piece, that's insane. They're not. They're probably what? They're retail for 25 Yeah, 20 bucks. 20 bucks. That's insane. The, the, the Young Bucks the themselves Club, like, what's it, wasn't it like, are a brand. Like a video game too? Like the Bullet Club like Yeah, no, the Young was... Bucks. The young, oh, the I don't know the, the history on that. I, thought, I think it's like a video but, game where like you can give your character like a Bullet Club like Oh, oh, yeah. Like, you're talking t-shirt. about Tekken. Tekken. Yeah, 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 there, yeah there was yeah. a Japanese Which, game. That's, Tekken. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's insane. You're talking about because when you talk about professional wrestling in the United States, it's, it's, it, it's except for what, a span of three or four years, the WWF has been the 
the household brand. Since 2001. And, and now you got something that's actually, for the first time since the NWO, WCW is like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, something they have to pay attention to. Like, what the hell is going on I here? think when you start hearing that you want to see dream matches, like you want to see Okada versus a John Cena, or you want to see a Kenny Omega versus WWE's AJ Styles, I think that's where fans start going, you know what, this sort of reminds me of when I was a kid. And I tell people all the time that right now, New Japan sort of feels like WCW in 1995, where they're starting, where WCW is about to go to, you know, to Nitro and really make a run at WWE. Obviously, you know, New Japan's not going to, there's going to be no missteps here because everybody's so smart. But there's enough pie that WWE has that we can start carving out, you know, more and more of here. A big piece of that beyond the Bullet Club is Chris Jericho working the Wrestle Kingdom show. How big of a coup is that for you guys? Uh, it's great. I, I mean, if you think about it from a fan's perspective, Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho match quality is going to be off the charts. But then if you look at it from you know a business perspective, wanting to get those New Japan World subscriptions up, and, and it's great because Jericho brings with him and his own audience of people who follow him, whether it's from wrestling or if it's from Fozzie. Uh, I think Jericho is tied into pop culture more than people think he is. And I think that's huge. And what else could people have done You're here? talking about where I think you're starting to now take that New Japan brand and you're, there's brand awareness when it comes to hardcore wrestling fans, people who just truly love professional wrestling. So now, though, you're starting to get brand awareness for people who are wrestling fans, but they love WWE and may not even be aware of other things or or at least not consciously thinking of them. And now it's like, wait, where's Chris Jericho? Chris, right. Oh, this place must be a big deal. Chris Jericho's there. And Chris Jericho... So the, I think there's that, that kind of division. You've got the hardcore wrestling fan, but then you get got the hardcore WWE fan. Right. And now now you're going to have to start some brand awareness of those those people who previously maybe weren't paying attention. They, they're paying attention to WWE only. And they're starting to realize like... There's a big world of professional wrestling and out that's, there that's pretty damn good. Right, and that's something like my wife gets offended when she hear me, hears me say the term educating fans because uh, I think she thinks it's me talking down. But somebody asked me a question recently, hey, how do you go about educating WWE fans to New Japan? And it's not uh, not educating. How do you convert them? And I said, well, why would I want to convert a WWE fan? Why can't they be New Japan and WWE fans? Like, who am I? Like, that's arrogant to say, oh, I, we want all WWE's fan base. Like, no, like, that's just like saying, uh, you like cheese pizza and I like pepperoni pizza and my style of pizza is the right style of pizza. I mean, you're a Steelers fan for God knows why. And <laughs> like, I'm a New England Patriots fan. It took me a couple of years to get used to that and, and understand, but it's okay for you to be a Steelers fan. I have I have morals and you're okay with cheating. I, I, mean, that's, I don't yeah, think that's hard guys, to understand. This guy's got a QB that's an accused rapist, <laughs> but uh, he's got morals. Uh, anyway, but yeah, like I, we don't want to, change a WWE's fan liking. You can be a WWE fan. Like when I was a kid, I loved every style of wrestling, whether it was WWE, whether it was NWA Crockett, whether it was world class. Like I loved it all. And I think that's what we need to get back to. Like we need to start showing 
this younger generation, hey, there's more than WWE because that's all they've known for since 2001. Right. They've they've owned the business. Well, the good thing too is like you think when you think about and I think about TNA specifically or Impact or whatever it is they call themselves these days. Witness protection. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and they've always been WWE light to me. They've they've presented professional wrestling in largely the same manner that WWE presents professional wrestling. New Japan does not, and, and Ring of Honor I will say too presents it very differently too. They, the Ring of Honor leans more towards the presenting it like competition um, but New Japan doesn't lean that way that is how they present professional wrestling and to me now you have a true alternative it's something different than WWE WWE is always going to do what they do and do it better than anybody else so if you're a wrestling exactly. promotion and you're trying to do the WWE style whether it be the style of matches not just the style of matches though but the how they present TV backstage vignettes if you if you're a wrestling company trying to make it and you're doing that you're inevitably always going to have the comparison right. and you're always going to feel like a cheap imitation and a knockoff but if you're new japan who has your own stars you, uh, you have your own unique way of presenting it uh, you, your in-ring style is markedly different from what wwe is presenting now you don't feel like a knockoff now you feel like an alternative now you feel like something that's different and to me that that is what has been missing in the marketplace. Everybody wants a WWE light. Right. You need something different. You can the only WWE have so exists, much WWE. And they're not going away. Right. Like they're going to be here forever. They're, they're it's like too big to fail type type right. thing. But there is room in the marketplace for something different. Our goal is when you think of professional wrestling right now, you say to any Joe Blow on the street, you just say, "Oh, hey, um do you watch wrestling?" They automatically instinctually go oh you mean wwe yeah exactly <laughs> my goal our goal is to be part of that equation so we might not be able to convert everybody when they think about wrestling and think wwe but when they think of a more the real contrast oh, wwe or more so that real stuff like new japan because i think that's the style that new japan right. represents it's less of the entertainment and more of the sport I mean, if we if you think of the the peak of the Attitude Era, there was 11 million fans watching wrestling on a Monday night. Let's just say five million of them were just casuals who weren't real wrestling fans. They just watched because it was a cool thing at that point. We're still talking about six million fans. WWE is down to what about three and a half million, maybe four. Where are those other two million people? Yeah, you got you need They're something there. to hook them in. There's a there's yeah. a there has been a market for professional wrestling in the United States since the Beginning turn of the time, century. Right. <laughs> like, so it's something that it it's has. Like the mafia, it's never. Yeah, going it to has die. appeal. It will always have appeal. There has to be an evolution of it at times, but it's something. Yeah, it's always been part of the entertainment landscape in right. the United States. Agreed. Uh, so. You're a executive now. You're a the director of U.S. operations for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Wow, I didn't realize I was with an executive. <laughs> but the basis, your your thing is you're you're a guy that deals with talent. You like cultivating talent. Okay. You like talking to talent. Yep. And I know that you you're very proud of like the talent that you worked with in Ring of Honor, especially yep. like Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, all moved to NXT. Right. And I mean, they they give you a certain amount of credit for helping them out, right? Yeah. So how do you feel about seeing those guys move on to something like NXT? It's awesome. Uh, I mean, I still work with them every day, uh, regardless. Uh, I might get heat for that. But when you develop those relationships, it becomes more uh, like you become part of people's lives. So uh, like I do feel like I'm an everyday, like they're an everyday part of my life and I'm an everyday part of their life. So, you know, it's beyond just business. But seeing what those guys like... 
I mean, Bobby and Kyle are the NXT Tag Team Champions. Roddy's had, you know, two dalliances with almost becoming NXT Champion. Cole's on the rise there. Uh, there's other guys in NXT that I work with too that, you know, that I'm in contact with. Uh, it's it's amazing. I, I Like, I take so much pride. Like, Brian, how many times have I said, when are you going to stop fucking around because <laughs> you have that talent? Like, I, he was gonna, would, I was going to say, that think, would be the guy yeah, that's, that's a guy who better to speak of that. believed in me at times. I didn't believe in myself, so... You know, yeah, I, I think you're a guy who gave me an opportunity in the beginning. At different times when I've felt like giving up, you're a guy who has always, again, what are you doing? Like, you know, you're better right. than you're, this. You you're are. Better you're better this. than 150 people in a, you know, a Ruben Elks. And, like, I love seeing guys get to that next level, whether it's somebody, I, oh, can you watch this and give me feedback? I love that stuff. I, I like, I just don't get tired of it. My wife gets tired of it. <laughs> she, uh, I know she's super supportive. She's never once said, Hey, I'm tired of it. She is my rock. She's like, she's the best, but she is sometimes she's like, I don't understand why you do it or how you do it. And I, I it's just me. Like you say, I'm, I can't sit still. I, like, I don't know if it's, I'm hustling. I just want to see everybody succeed. And like, I don't get jealous of people succeeding. So when I see somebody go to NXT or I see an idea that I give somebody on national television, I don't go, oh, well, I should get credit for that. Or you're like, my name, no, like, it's like, I, I won't run out of ideas because that's what I do. But I want everybody, like, Malona should already be a millionaire. Like, he's had that talent. Like, he's just given up on himself a couple times. And it's frustrating because I know that, like, there aren't many guys who can move like him, who have his presence, his ability to talk. It's very easy with the, again, going back to talk about the domination of the business in this country right now when a few key people their opinion holds the key to your success and you know how many times I, I well I know for me personally in dealing with guys and trying to help them I know how many times getting that email from WWE after you do a camp that says oh you, you know we're gonna pass on you right now how many guys that's broken and they've just quit the business you get tired of hearing no <laughs> yeah, no, and but that's it. The business is designed to make you quit. Think about me, 2002, South Quincy Social Club. You couldn't have, nobody would have thought, oh, hey, this big-headed fool is going to be, you know, working for <laughs> Ring of Honor and be close with these guys on national television and, you know, working for New Japan. He's, he's going to be that. No, you wouldn't have thought that. And trust me, quitting is always the easiest option. This business is designed to break you and force you out because then it allows somebody else you know, maybe it's a buddy, maybe it's a friend to come in behind you and take that spot. You've given up on yourself too many times. And still to this day, I still believe that you could be on national television weekly, have a presence. Hell, maybe Big Brian Rogers is the way to go in 2018. <laughs> well, but you know, by the time it. by the time, you know, we're obviously recording this a little early, we can peel back the curtain, we do that. But <laughs> by the time this airs, there may be an appearance or two on television that uh, that has come to fruition since from the time we record this to the time it airs. So yep. We're working towards that, and I got a pretty cool opportunity. Um, you know, by the again, by the time this airs, people will have started to see, and you know, and Crockett's I'm another excited. one. When are you going to come back? Because there was a one, <laughs> the, the best one-two punch in this area for refs, and John Walters will say that you know you were his favorite referee. It was you and Pants, like one and two, like 
that was it. Do you think at 64 years old he can still make a run? What do you think? He still has the nicest beard of anybody ever. Thanks I don't so know much. how he quaffs that thing <laughs> so you. well. I, I got to touch that back. He's got to hide yeah. the double chin. Yeah. <laughs> He's marathons now. But yeah, like Crockett, why aren't you still out there? What is going on in the life of Crockett that makes you not want to chase us anymore? Do you just not have that fever? I was doing so much for Chaotic Wrestling that I got overwhelmed and I decided I had to stop doing everything. Okay. So now he just does everything for the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> now I've replaced that with the podcast. So I don't really need... You, you, know, you know what Mike, Mike's niche might be is reality television and just let the cameras follow him and his obsessive behavior <laughs> and his neurosis. I just that was so... Like, is a comeback in the cards for you at any point? Do you oh, well, I did tell Brian that that last match that I did with him cannot be my last match. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I have to at least one more. Why not? <laughs> you know. You know. I mean, cause, I mean, there's always like literally a phone call away if, you know, Ring of Honor or whatever, you know, you never know. New Japan in 2018, you know, what the plans are. I wish he's a good ref. Crockett, you should stop fucking around. Well, I, I'm... I'm Get losing weight. In. I'm getting into oh, somewhat it. shape. You did, look, go look at the refs in the 80s and 90s. It's not like they were buff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, George. Well, uh, this has been great. We have to... Uh, get uncomfortable now. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to pack up shop here. Uh, where can people find you online? Or where can people find uh, NJPW, New Japan World Wrestling? So uh, New Japan World is njpwworld.com. For less than $10 US, you get a total library of past matches broken up by year. You can see everybody from Stone Cold Steve Austin to Hulk Hogan to Ric Flair. All the greats have been through New Japan, Bruiser Brody, Vader, uh, classic matches. You can also see the library of new shows, you know, from the World Tag League that just finished up. You're also going to be able to watch Wrestle Kingdom on demand if you're not up, you know, when it airs. You can also go to the New Japan English website, njpw1972.com. There's a link to the English New Japan YouTube channel there. I am on uh, Twitter at gcarol77. And just don't worry about me. Just follow New Japan. Like, Just help this movement of figuring out that there is more to pro wrestling than WWE. And, uh, you know, support Ring of Honor, support the indies, you know, go to Chaotic Wrestling. doesn't matter where you are. Uh, there's always a way to support somebody, whether it's YouTube channel or their website. But just keep supporting, you know, this movement that we're undergoing right now. All right. Really happy to have you here, George. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. So, yes, Wrestle Kingdom 12 this Thursday night on NJPWWorld.com. Sign up. It is a very good value njpwworld.com you get so much content there make sure to check that out wrestle kingdom with alpha versus omega chris jericho versus kenny omega and so much more this thursday night and this saturday you can also check it out on axis tv they're showing a good portion of the wrestle kingdom event this saturday night 8 p.m eastern on axis tv check your local listings to see if you have axis tv in your area you're gonna watch it live mike oh i don't know that is late at night I don't even think it's late at night. I think it's early in the morning. Yeah, that is that is true. And, of course, it will be on demand on NJPWWorld.com if you can't stay up for it. So it will be there regardless whether you stay up half the night to watch it or not. So, You're 74 uh, years old, so we know you won't be up for it. 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm very busy, very busy. So we want your feedback, folks. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on our discussion with our old pal, George Carroll Jr. Use the hashtag WPAN and, you know, we'll discuss it together on Twitter. And, of course, we do voicemails on this podcast. Get your voicemails in. We will play them. 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. We really appreciate when you contribute to the show. So call us right now before you forget. Put this number right in your phone right now. Become a part of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Give us your thoughts. 401-584-9726. Okay, Kingpin, it is time for your promo about nothing. But before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Big days ahead? Of course, Kingpin. It's 2018. It's a new year. So new New year, new New us. New us. (laughs) Together. We had a lot of things planned for this wrestling podcast. We're going to streamline things and make it better for you out there as a listener. So that's what we mean by big days. But what BDA Radio means is the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news. They break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. Should old acquaintance be forgot? BDARadio.com. You like that? Abysmal. No, I didn't <laughs> at all. Abysmal. Come on. <laughs> you are a Scrooge. Christmas uh, is already passed and you're already Chris- a Scrooge. Christmas season. We're past the holiday season now, Mike. Get okay. over it. <laughs> Get over it already. All right, Kingpin. This week's promo about nothing comes from the year 1991. And it is the World Wrestling Federation, the WWF. And our broadcast colleague, Mean Gene Okerlund, is standing by. It is the Royal Rumble 1991, my friend. And Mean Gene is backstage with, yes, your favorite professional wrestler of all time, the Hulkster, the immortal one, Hulk Hogan. This week's promo about nothing. All right, things really heating up here at the Royal Rumble. And speaking of that, Hulk Hogan, here we go. It's going to be every man for himself. Well, you know something, Mean Gene. Now it's time more than ever for me and all my Hulkamaniacs to unite, brother. You know, there's 29 other competitors in that ring. But I'm not worried about those dudes, brother. I want to tell you what I'm all about and what I'm standing for out here. I'm dedicating this match to all of our boys over there in the Persian Gulf and to all of our allies, Mean Gene. And with that type of firepower, with that type of energy, brother, I don't care about the other 29 competitors, Mean Gene. I'm going to fight, scratch, and claw my way all the way to the top to win that Royal Rumble. Because with the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Marines behind me, Mean Gene, Hulkamania has got more momentum than I've ever had. And I'm going to prove with all the armed forces behind Hulkamania, truth, justice, the American way, I'm going to prove that I'm going to win that Royal Rumble. Hold on, Hulk. I hate to interrupt you. We are getting, I can't believe this, an unconfirmed report 
that the new World Wrestling Federation champion, Sergeant Slaughter, has just defaced the American flag. Now, that could just be a rumor. No, me. No, no, me and Gene, let me tell you something. Sergeant Slaughter stealing the WWF title is one thing. But if Sergeant Slaughter has gone so far to deface Old Glory, to deface the red, white, and blue, brother, I don't care if it's legal or not, brother. Sergeant Slaughter, that would be the fate that would seal you in for good. And no matter what happens, me and Gene, Sergeant Slaughter's reign as the WWF champion is going to be just like... Uh, I can you know what, brother? I know exactly. Sudan is going to be just like Sudan Hussein's reign over Kuwait, brother. It's going to be only temporary. Thank you, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> what, what a great close. Thank you, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Boy, did the Hulkster run out of gas there. Even Mean Sheen felt the effects. Boy, did that take the wind out of his sails, not remembering the name of the great dictator, Saddam Hussein. He was just so overcome with anger, Mike, he couldn't even compose himself. <laughs> now, that is the good, that is the universal cover when you blow something like that, right? You say, oh, I'm just so excited, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> but yes, uh, he couldn't come up with the name of Saddam Hussein, and then he did come up with the name, and he said, Sudan with an N, Hussein. So, close <laughs> enough. It's uh, Sudan. Sudan. What did he call him? Sudan? Yes. Isn't that a country, right? <laughs> the Sudan, yes. Yes. <laughs> Maybe it's Saddam Hussein's brother. <laughs> it could be. Maybe that's I mean, that's what the whole deal is. I thought uh, General Adnan was Saddam Hussein's brother. Was that what they were selling? I don't know. I don't know. They were trying to sell something like that he was related, I think. Really? Huh. I think so. I I had no clue that I was like what was his name like Sheik Adnan Al Casey from like World Class. I had no idea that was like the same guy until like, AWA. Yeah, he was uh, big in the yeah, AWA. Yeah, you know what I mean, Mike. Don't correct me. <laughs> yeah, you know you know what I mean, me Gene. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I had no idea until much later that was the same guy. Yeah. So Hogan. Occasionally it happened. They did a live promo, and uh, yeah, he 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 flubbed a little bit. Actually, I think it was the first episode of this podcast where we did a a Hulk Hogan promo. Uh, so we're bringing it back. I know you you love to disparage the good name of Hulk Hogan. <laughs> no, it's just uh, I found this one today, and I figured it was appropriate. Let's start the year out right, right? With the greatest professional wrestler who ever lived. Well, yes, and the Royal Rumble's coming up in just a few weeks there, Kingpin. Is it? It sure is. Huh. If you're excited for that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. You heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, if you want to see him uh, stumbling and bumbling over his words, find the links to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. All right, Kingpin, you are crisscrossing the screen nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler, and you got dates. I got dates, Mike. I return to action next Friday night. Not this coming Friday night, but next Friday night, January the 12th. Chaotic Wrestling, the pandemonium event. I'll be in Woburn taking part uh, in this great event. Check out chaoticwrestling.com for full ticket and card information. The very next night, I'll be heading to Bethany, Connecticut for Northeast Wrestling. Find Northeast Wrestling on all social media platforms for ticket and full card information. Then, Mike, January the 20th, 
I'll be getting on an airplane and heading to Nashville, Tennessee. It's Ring of Honors International Whoa. TV taping at the Nashville Municipal Auditorium. How about that? Back to back? Yes, sir. Wow. Go to uh, ROHWrestling.com and find Ring of Honor on all social media platforms for ticket and card information if you're in the Nashville area. If not, hop a plane and come see the old Kingpin. <laughs> Sounds good. Then <laughs> January 27th, I'll be heading out to your old stomping grounds, Mike. Hadley, Massachusetts, Western Mass, Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling. Find Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling on all social media platforms for ticket and card information. And then January the 28th, Beyond Wrestling, the Electric Haze in Worcester, Massachusetts. Yours truly, the Kingpin, will be in attendance. Go to beyondwrestlingonline.com for ticket and card information. Things are by no means slowing down for the Kingpin in 2018. No, if anything, they're picking up, buddy. Business is about to pick up. I'm All right. To, I'm about to take this wrestling world by storm, sir. There you go. Brian Malonis at Comcast.net. If you want to be part of the Kingpin Revolution, you can email him for bookings or you can go to his DMs at Brian Malonis to check in with him. And, and Brian uh, check- Fury may be filling in a lot more. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and uh, you can check in with us at Putting Over Podcasts. That is the Facebook group where we're talking about wrestling talk. Just go to Facebook, put it in the search bar, Putting Over Podcasts, and you can join us and talk about everything when it comes to pro wrestling podcasts, booking the territory pro wrestling podcast. They do it twice a week on Sundays, the Smoky Mountain show Thursdays, their flagship show where they're talking about the old Saturday night 605 show. MikeMills.podbean.com is the home base for booking the territory. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts and our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast with Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. They do it each and every Monday. So check us out and check out our Vantage Point every Monday. Go to ovppodcast.com for more and the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. A full week's worth of content over there on the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed. Make sure you check them out on all podcasting platforms and subscribe. And of course, we hope you will continue to listen to the NAI Wrestling Network all week long for DC and Doc Talk, Rant with Ant, the Shattered Glass Cast, and of course, the New Age Insiders themselves all here on the NAI Wrestling Network. So subscribe today. We are back next Monday for the WPAN on the New Age Insiders Wrestling Network, episode 90. So join us there. Until then, he is the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett, big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing. All right, Kingpin, you're packing your bags. Uh, you're Chris, you're, uh, what did I, how did I, uh, how did I lo- lose this? All right, Kingpin, you're, wow, wow.